But I guess it's when you make an effort, right? That's when you like you will start getting better when you realize there's something to get better yeah, at. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like when I was little, I was terrible. I remember my parents, right? They always used to say, "Oh, you're smart, but you don't have street smart." <laughs> and I never knew. Okay, I, your parents. My parents used to say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> it used to. I used to annoy me because I used to think maybe they're just picking on me because I'm the youngest. But mm. I think the street smart they were talking about is the emotional intelligence part because that's the other okay. component of intelligence. You know, you could be book mm. smart, you could be whatever, but the other component is emotional intelligence. How to read people, how to understand people, how to understand yourself. I think that was the component of it. Did you know that some therapists don't wear cologne or perfume when they're working? Why is that? It's because they have to think about the client to make sure that they're not triggering any memories of their abusers. Oh, wow. I thought that was mad interesting. So what if the person's natural smell reminds them of trauma? <laughs> then, bro, it's, it's, a, it's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> it's a problem. But I guess if you're, if you're comfortable with your psychologist, you would tell them that and then they just have to make an effort. Because I guess that's part of the job, isn't it? You have to, like, you have to always put them first before yourself. That's true. So, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. No, that is interesting. No, it is. You know, in school, I remember learning about the whole nature versus nurture argument about, like, which one affects you mm-hmm. more. I don't know if you've read up on that anymore. Cause I remember when I was younger, I remember seeing something that's 50-50. Mm-hmm. So your nature and your nurture, they both contribute 50% to all your beliefs and thoughts as you grow yeah. up. But, yeah, growing up, though, I definitely think that a lot of our thoughts and beliefs are definitely determined by our parents and everything that we've been taught. But, like, I think after a certain age, you definitely have to start taking responsibility for yourself. Mm. You can't blame your parent anymore because of how you are or who you are. Um, I don't agree. Because I did both sociology and psychology. Yeah. Okay. And those were really interesting subjects. So, yeah. Mm. Oh, did you actually do for A-levels? I did psychology, but only for years. Oh, okay. okay. But, yeah. So, I can't lie. Your parents definitely have a big impact. They have a big impact. And sometimes if you don't even, sometimes you don't realize the impact they have on your life. So mm. because you don't, you can't possibly understand that, you mm. like internalize a lot of their issues. So you can't blame them. Well, you can, but I don't think, what's the point mm-hmm. though? So you blame them, but then if you keep blaming them for the rest of your life, what's that going to no, do of course, for you? That's the of point course. I'm trying to make. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. So you can, but what's the point? Mm-hmm. That's the point I was oh, making. Okay, okay. So at some point, you have to look at yourself and say, I have these deficiencies. Mm-hmm. How can I improve as a person? Mm-hmm. Or how can I stop that like holding me mm-hmm. back? So that's when you have to go out of your way to learn what you need to learn mm-hmm. to fix that. Mm-hmm. That's the point I was more trying to oh, make. Man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. About, yeah, your young traumas, yeah, they're mad, man. Wow, like, wow. yeah, so... I think, I think it gets to a point where you have to actually realize, cause accountability is definitely one thing, but then realizing, you know, what you need to be accountable for and then mm-hmm. taking the steps needed to, to, you know, to help yourself. So this week's topic, we're talking about emotional intelligence. So yeah, I feel this is such an interesting topic because. Yeah, I agree. It's so underrated, <laughs> undervalued and <Yeah>. misunderstood. <laughs> and. It's also such an important component to a young person's life. I think with emotional intelligence, right, a lot of people think, oh, you have to be the smartest person. But they underplay how important having emotional intelligence is to any level mm. of success or history. But question, yeah. though, before, before we even go too deeply, I think it's very easy when you hear terms, because even this was like, it was like this for me as well. Mm. I've always heard people talk about emotional intelligence. Yeah. 
but what does it actually mean? So in terms of like your research, mm. looking into a bit more, how would you describe to someone who's never heard what being emotionally intelligent is? What's the origin story of it? Um, I would say emotional intelligence is being able to understand your own emotions, being able to empathize with others, yeah. and being able to understand their own situation. So empathy yeah, is a key component in emotional intelligence. Okay. Being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. I feel like with me, I try to think of it in three parts. The first part is actually being able to perceive your emotions. Because I feel like sometimes too, there's some, I think it's part of, it's toxic masculinity in it. Stoicism, which is the idea that you can get through any hardship without showing any emotions or feelings. And I don't subscribe to that. Because I think have emotions and display. It's like, I think you can be an emotionally intelligent person if you're just moving like you're not human and nothing phases you and nothing ever gets to you. So I think the first part is actually understanding that you are human, you have emotions, understanding that. Then the second part for me would be what you were saying about actually being able to understand and interpret your emotions. So what do they actually mean? So you feel a type of way, understanding that there's probably a reason why you feel that type of way and getting to the bottom of it. And then the final part for me, in terms of someone who's emotionally intelligent, is someone who's able to now articulate themselves well. So once you now see this is how you're feeling, how do you get your point across to the other person? to make them understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling without them feeling attacked. I feel like sometimes too, we forget that most of the time you like, if you don't need anything from another person, you don't want anything, then fair enough. Get off your chest, blast them, then walk away. But more times, let's say, for example, good examples are customer service. You might need something from that person. Let's say you want a refund. Maybe they've charged you incorrectly. If you now come out and you're swearing and you're fuming and screaming, that person is most likely not going to want to help you. You understand? They're not going to want to help you. So part of being emotionally intelligent is actually being able to control your emotions and get your point across so that person can understand the way you're feeling and they'd want to help you. Yeah. You understand? So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I would yeah. kind of think about it for me. With your first point, um, you mentioned stoicism. Sorry, can you just yeah. like, explain that again? It comes from that Greek philosophy. So it's the whole idea of just you being able to overcome any situation, but it's doing it in a way where it's like, you have like a hard exterior. No one can ever know that maybe you're going through something. You always portray to the world that you have no feelings or emotions. It's kind of that whole kind of concept. So I think parts of it is good in terms of resilience. That bit of it, I think, is definitely very important in terms of just life. There's always going to be issues and stuff that you have to deal with. But I think when it starts crossing into stoicism, where it's kind of into that, you know, that toxic masculinity kind of thing where it's like oh as a man you shouldn't really ever tell people when you're going through something that's how, like ride it out that's how firm it it's all it's all under that kind of umbrella i think yeah i yeah. like the way you broke down because you, you mentioned when you mentioned something you mentioned that you don't really subscribe to it like, yeah i subscribe to it to some element it's basically um for the most part you're right but it's basically that when you experience because you said um resilience so when mm. you experience some form of hardship, right? It's a way of not delving into the self-pity that kind of situation or those type of situations uh, bring. With certain things, yes, but let's say a tragedy has happened, right? Or let's say you break up with your girlfriend, right? They're okay. trying to say that, okay, wallow in your self-pity for a bit, but don't let it consume you. And make sure that you're able to, to, to like move past that. Like, make it not hurt you as much as it needs to. It's a way of, of making it clear that, okay, you're not supposed to just be in your emotions completely. Okay, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. 
because that because that that's detrimental to everything else that's going on in your life. Mm. But it, it okay. can it can definitely be toxic in a way. Yeah. So I, I guess with anything, this is about how you interpret it and how you practice it. So if you practice it in a way where yeah. You don't let situations destroy you, as you're saying. So, yes, you're hurt by the situation, but you don't let it just consume your whole life. It's now not just, I'm not going to leave my house because my girl broke up with me, or I'm not going to go to work. I'm, there's no way you just let a situation just destroy your life. I agree with that concept that, that you shouldn't be yeah. allowing that to happen. Yeah, so. but um, like you said, though, it's definitely, um, with emotional intelligence, it's definitely important to understand that, okay, you know, this thing's hurt, um, hurt me, and maybe understanding your emotions around that. I, th- I yeah. think it's, it's definitely what's important because it doesn't really, it says move past it when, when it's not possible. So it's, it's definitely understanding the way you feel and trying to just figure that out first. So, yeah. But yeah, bro, as I've gotten older, I'm definitely appreciating how poor my emotional intelligence was. Mm-hmm. Like, it's actually crazy when I look back at situations, at how I would deal with it and how I would deal with it now, how that's changed. So it's kind of making me think about a question I wanted to ask you. What do you think has been the biggest spike in your emotional maturity so far? Mm, I would say having to like balance what I really want in life and understanding that. So obviously, okay, going from 18 to early adolescence, you're a bit confused. Well, for me, I was a bit confused. So why that was so big for me is because I feel like everything I was, I've learned up to that point or everything I was being told, I realized it wasn't really me that was making those decisions. So okay. it was almost like I have to figure out what I really want and mm. how I can actually start to, to get there. But it was more of trying to figure out what I really want because that, that's such a hard thing to do. I'm still working on it, but it's such a hard thing to do because, you know, you're hearing, oh, something from your parents and, you mm. know, your friends are doing this and that, but it's it's not about that. It's about what you want. So or mm. in that situation, what I wanted. So that was such a, an emotional, yeah, at that time, it was something I'd never really questioned. It was just something I'd really just gone along with. That's why I think, I think that was a really, really big understanding, like jump for me. Okay. No, I really like that. When you were speaking, it was making me think of, I think it's from Socrates. It's like a quote, which is something like the smartest man is a man that knows he knows nothing. Oh, yeah. So I feel like, yeah, definitely as you get older and when you start to realize that there's so much that I really don't mm. know and you have to, you have to put in the effort to try and know it. It's not just going to just be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think mean, that's definitely a, there's definitely a big learning experience, something that I've definitely had to learn as well. Mm-hmm. That's true, man. So, yeah. Because, yeah, like that's such a perfect quote because I think even just moving forward, it's just important to always think you're the dumbest in the room. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just, just mm-hmm. be humble. <laughs> just no, the dumbest in the room. And yeah, just. You never know as much as you think you know about a situation. I was even talking to my friend the other day and we we're talking about like being younger. And I was talking about how when I was younger, I was so sure of things. I felt I was so sure of things. But now with mm. the hindsight that I have, I'm like, wow, <laughs> I was a, I was a damn idiot. You understand? So yeah, but only with hindsight could I see that. So I think when I'm in the moment, it's important to just definitely understand that. Okay. Maybe I don't have all the information right now, but. You know, and I feel like that itself is emotional maturity, you know. Bro, it definitely is. Because even to jump on the back of that, something I've realized, I think probably my biggest spike so far Mm. is just realizing that a lot of my thoughts and beliefs are based on my experiences. Mm. So other people have their own experiences. So as strongly as I'm convicted that what I'm saying is right, 
they can also be as strongly convicted mm-hmm. in what they're saying is right. So I think realizing that the other person agreeing with me doesn't mean anything to me. Does mm-hmm. that? Like I'm always listening to other people. I'm gonna get their point of view. I'm always willing to learn and understand more than I already know. But I think once I realized that I gained nothing from you conceding and saying I'm right and you're wrong, mm-hmm. that was a big spike for me as mm-hmm. well. I think it just really stopped me being argumentative because it's just like I gain nothing mm. I have my opinion you have yours I think once I even realized too that if you actually even want to change someone's mind the best way to do it is to just give your point of view calmly let them go live their own life let them now come back and say oh bro you were right about what you said you know but when you try to bully someone into changing their mind or agreeing with you you're gonna lose arguments is a lose-lose because even if you win mm. You still lose because now, okay, cool. You made the other person feel dumb, or yeah, they've, they've said, Oh, yeah, you're right, but they're secretly thinking this guy's a prick. <laughs> like, so, did you really win? You didn't win, and they will never then understand your point of view. Remember that, um, exactly. Remember that film, I 12 Angry Men, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great for, movie. For people that don't know, it's basically a film of um, it's, it's set in one room, so it's like a play, but it's set in one room where there's 12 jurors and they're trying to decide, um, on whether a guy. He committed murder is innocent or not. And everyone is convinced um, with the evidence that, that they have that the guy is definitely guilty. But there's one guy who is not so convinced. He's saying, he's, he's not convinced that he's, he's innocent either, but he's just saying maybe we should look into this a bit more than it's just a, you know, open and shut case. So what was so interesting with that thing, with me anyway, with that film was the way this guy was able to convince 11 people that yep. listen <laughs> maybe it's not as clear as you think it is so i think even just some of the techniques that i used um, to convince people just showed me that that is the right way to argue it's it's yeah. more about showing people it's not telling them that they're wrong but it's creating that doubt because that's what he did he created that doubt he said listen um this woman saw him but what if the woman his glasses because the truth like we were just discussing with uh, when I was younger and I knew, you know, I was mm. so sure. You can never be so sure. Do you understand? Well, I think yeah. you can never be so sure. You can always just say, okay, but what if? And yep. just move from there. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. No, I definitely agree mm. with that. Do you have any more lessons that you think you've learned? I would say maybe with relationships. I realized also that, okay, because um, I see on Twitter all the time, oh, if this person doesn't shout me, I'm never shouting them. And personally... I'm the type of person where it's not that I'm purposefully not shouting someone or mm. I'm purposely not, you know, messaging a person or contacting a person. No, it's actually just mm. the way I am. You can, I'm sure you can touch yeah. And you're not like that, you know. You'll reach out to someone for no reason. See, this is where the emotional intelligence part comes in, I think, because it's important to, okay, this person's close to you, you know, even if you two are not as close or, you know, you've drifted apart a bit, reach out. Just see yeah. how the person's no, doing. You know, even if nothing comes of it, just, Make the person know that you thought of them. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and I think that's so important. And it's definitely something I'm trying my best to implement more in my life because obviously life happens and it gets quite busy. And sometimes you just don't have time to even be thinking about that. So what do you think about it? I think what you said, I really like because it's true. Because I feel like for me, like even adding on to what you're saying, my own, like another big lesson I've learned in life is I used to take things so personally. So if let's say someone didn't shout me or didn't message me or contact me, I'm saying, why am I going to contact you? But I think a big lesson I've learned is that you can't control people's actions, but you can control your reaction. Understand? So even if you don't shout me, if 
I think about you and I'm just like, oh, I wonder how this person is doing. I'll just message you. I just like, I'll just ask, oh, how are you doing? And then if you want to respond to me in a stupid way, then I'll never do it again. <laughs> I'll learn my lesson. <laughs> but in general, I'm more willing to put myself out there because I know I can control what I can control. Really. And that is something I can control. I can put my ego to the side. I can put whatever to the side and just say, this person came to my mind. Let me actually see how they're doing. Exactly. So I think that's definitely a big lesson that I've learned over the last like few years to start doing. Exactly. And, just, and it goes a long way. Yeah. It really does. It really mm. does because, yeah, I'm sure the person would even be, because most of the time, when you even get a message from someone that you haven't really spoken to, you're thinking, oh, what does this mm. person want? So it's so refreshing when the person doesn't want anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. They, they're just checking they it. They just really <laughs> wanted to see they're how just... they're doing. <laughs> It's so refreshing because you're thinking, wow, it's little true. old me, they're checking on me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just important to take. That, well, that thing is a day, though. You know when someone shouts you and he's like, I know you want something, man. Just hurry up. <laughs> Stop. Hurry up, man. I know you don't care about me whatsoever. Just trying to make small talk, asking me how's the family, bro. You don't care about family. You don't care. You don't care. Bro, you don't care. You know the family care, is there. Again. <laughs> Bro, listen, but again, you don't take it personally. You just say, cool. You learn lessons and you say it's all right in it. But what do you think are the actual tangible benefits of putting in the effort to improve your emotional intelligence? I would say, well, I think it has so many different benefits. Obviously, in a professional setting, mm. leadership skills. It can even, because really emotional intelligence is just being able to understand how you feel in the situation and be able to kind of gauge how someone else feels in the situation. So that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So your networking skills, things like that, mm. or even just general conversations that you yeah. have with strangers or if, you know, a girl that you've met on the street or, you know, like that, that friend that you haven't spoken to in God knows how long or, mm. you know, just literally yep. it just improves that so much because you can gauge better. Yeah, I definitely like that. I think especially the part about leadership. I think that's something that we don't really think about that. To actually be a good leader in anything, you really have to be able to look at your team and put them in the best position to succeed, to provide the best outcome for everyone. There's a quote that I really like. It goes something like, leadership is the art of getting others to do something that you want to get done because they want to do it. Mm -hmm. Do you get it? So they want to do it, but really it's something that you want to get done. Being able to do all of that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff you need to be very emotionally intelligent because you have to know, you have to be able to read what does the other person want. That's when you can give them tasks that you know they want and they're going to complete the tasks to the best of their ability, which is now going to help you <laughs> even more. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. So I think anyone who has ambitions to eventually go into leadership positions, to improve their relationships with friends and family, to be able to go to events and network with people, to actually improve their chance of just being successful in this world, mm. I think you definitely have to be emotionally intelligent. Yeah. And it's something you can improve as well. It's something that I'm still yeah. um, trying to improve. I definitely think I've, I don't know why, but I feel like I've definitely gotten a lot better. Nah, it's true. But I guess it's when you make an effort, right? That's when you, like, you will start getting better when you realise there's something to get better yeah. at. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like when I was little, I was terrible. I remember my parents, right? They always used to say, oh, you're smart, but you don't have street smart. <laughs> And I never knew. Okay, I, your parents. My parents didn't say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> it used to, I used to annoy me because I used to think maybe they're just picking on me because I'm the youngest. But mm. I think the street smart they were talking about is the emotional intelligence part because that's the other okay. component of intelligence. You know, you could be book mm. smart, you could be whatever, but the other component is emotional intelligence. How to read people, how to understand people, how to understand yourself. I think that was the component they were talking about. And 
I definitely didn't know I didn't know that. <laughs> and I didn't. Mm. I didn't know that. And yeah. I, I wasn't yeah. even good at it. But, yeah, I think just being, just putting myself out there a lot more has forced me to mm. just, yeah, improve myself and improve that that component of my, of my life. So I feel like, yeah, I've gone to the place where I haven't gotten exactly what I want, but I'm a bit more confident. Yeah. You're on the journey. Yeah, man. So I, I think the five components of emotional intelligence are so important to understand. Mm. And they definitely can help improve your emotional intelligence. Can you explain to us what they are? Okay, so according to Daniel Goldman, he made the term emotional intelligence famous. I mean, before him, there was people that coined the term, and you know, when it comes to who started something, loads of people come out and say it was me. But in terms of who made it famous and mainstream, it was definitely him in his book, Emotional Intelligence. And according to him, the five components are self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, mm-hmm. empathy, and people skills. Okay. So, yeah. But starting from self-awareness, I think that one is really important because as I was saying earlier about people in general believing that they're right and it being hard to actually change another person's mind. Because of that, I feel like you have to take responsibility to really make sure that you put an effort in into being a self-aware person because people won't always tell you. And even when people do tell you, a lot of times you might, because you can't see yourself, you don't believe it. So I definitely think, yeah, being a self-aware person is definitely important. It's important to be able to be honest with yourself. Mm. So how do you do that? I think it's just about just being brutally honest about what your strengths and weaknesses are. What are you good at? What can you improve on? And just humbling yourself. So I think that's definitely probably the biggest part for me in how I try to be self-aware. And just taking time to really reflect and question your thoughts. Because I think once you start learning about the biases that we all exhibit, physiologically just because we're human you realize that a lot of times your bodies are up to you or your thoughts you don't really understand why you have these thoughts but you have them and now you're so convicted that they're true but because you don't know the origins of them you don't know whether you can really trust them so i think it's definitely always important to really question everything that you believe and who you think you are you understand because if you don't understand yourself then how can you understand other people there's this whole concept of like indulging others the same way you indulge yourself so I think, I don't know about you, but a lot of times, if people do something, if I see other people doing something dumb, I might just be like, that's dumb. But if I did the same thing, it's a lot easier to understand why you would do it. Because you give yourself the benefit of doubt. I don't really think about that. Like, I was speaking to one of my friends about this and she she didn't agree with me. She feels like she's harsher on herself than she is to other people. What about you? Do you think you're harsher to yourself or do you think you're harsher to other people? Yeah, I even see that everyone is harsher on themselves than other people. Why I think you're harsher on yourself is because I think you're just more self-conscious of your you 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 spend so much time with yourself, so you're just more self-conscious of mm. your of your failures and you know your successes. Okay. So you really understand yourself, but you don't understand someone else as much as you understand yourself. So you're always going to be a lot harsher on yourself. I think. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. See, I, personally, I think I'm definitely harsher on other people than I am on myself. I feel like I, I am a lot more capable to be like, oh, you did this. There's a reason why you did it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I see someone else do something, I might not always think about why they've done it. I might just think mm-hmm. that's just dumb. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I think in that way is where I feel like I am a lot kinder and a lot more. But I guess, yeah, maybe that's just me. Just the, the way I think. I can always mm-hmm. justify a lot of times what I've done mm-hmm. and why I mm-hmm. think what I did was right. On the flip side, I guess why I'll be harsher on myself is the complete opposite to you. Okay. It's, I know myself mm. and I will know why I did something. 
So because I can go that deep into the problem, right? I'm a lot harsher with myself about okay. that. Okay. That with someone else, I don't understand why they've done it. So with them, I'll just be like, like it's whatever. Do you okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, no, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. So the second one is self-regulation. What do you think about it? Um. Yeah. Self-regulation is important. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so important because I know so many people that have no idea how to control their emotions. Mm. Um. Who don't understand that life is not always going to be good. Mm. <laughs> it's not always going to be good. There's literally going to be ups and downs all the time. Yeah. You understand? So I think understanding, being able to understand your emotions, being able to say, okay, I'm not happy right now. Mm. Maybe asking, so even if you, even if you, even if you don't want to say why, mm. or you don't want to go into, you know, the deep reasons, yeah. that's exhausting sometimes. Yeah. 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 Just understanding that you're not, you know, your usual self. Mm. So just doing whatever you need to do to just manage that and get through the day. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's so important. So I heard yeah. that. There's, I remember I was watching This Is Us. I'm so late. Mm. Eventually, one oh. day I'll finish that show. Honestly, oh. but there was a <laughs> the scene, best show, by the way. Bro, it's the best show in the world. If you haven't watched it, go watch that show. Yeah. But there was a scene that that this conversation kind of made me think of, and mm. I, I no spoilers, whatever. But they were talking about how as you get older the word sorry loses its value. Mm. So I feel like that's another reason why it's so important. As you get older, you don't have the excuse anymore of being a kid and not knowing better. So if you're just not con- in control of your emotions and you're just bursting out all the time and saying things that you don't take, that quote unquote, you don't really mean, you can't just say sorry afterwards and people are going to take you in. Because you've said what you said now. The damage is mm. now done. That's nice. I think that's another reason why for me, self-regulation is something that's really important to make sure that you're, you're not always going to be in control of it. But just in general, you have a handle on your emotions. Definitely you can't always just be in control of emotions all the time and you never let yourself go. I think that's when you start going towards the stoicism and just not being a free human being and you're just a statue. You're not human-like. So yeah, so what I say is that you have to be able to have fun, control your emotions, but also be able to express yourself at the same time. I would say in terms of, because you mentioned stoicism earlier, in terms of self-regulation, stoicism is so important. And I say that because being able to understand that the good comes with the bad Mm. and being able to understand and being able to manage that Mm. Is literally what stoicism is about. So I think that's why, yeah, that's why it's so important because there's so many times when I've had something bad happen to me when I was younger anyway, mm. had something bad happen to me and it will just turn, it will go from a bad day to a bad week to a bad month. Yeah. It's, it's just a terrible way to live because then it's now trickling down to all other aspects of your life. So I think being able to understand that, okay. You know, this is a good, fair enough, you know, mm. enjoy it. And then this is a bad. Yeah. And then the bad, being able to just navigate that some way, shape or form. Yeah. Figuring out your own special way to do that is so important. Like now, I'm more silence. <laughs> <laughs> I just like when something bad happens or like I need to just get over it. I just, I'll just sit in silence. Mm. Um, do what I need to do. Like I would, I'll go on autopilot. <laughs> <laughs> so everything else I need to do for the day. I would just do it and I would just avoid like social interactions as much mm. as I can. I'll just get on with what I need to do. Mm. Obviously, in certain situations, that's not practical. So you have to manage mm. it in a different way. Mm. But for me and my current situation, that works perfectly. No, I hear you. I guess, I guess that also is back to the whole self-awareness. So you understanding yeah. how you operate best. Yeah. Like, you understanding that 
it's best for you to keep quiet and be by yourself yeah. Yeah. before you're saying more damage is done because you're now mm. trying to force social interaction when it shouldn't really be the case. So yeah, I think definitely yeah. that's all part of it is as we get older, us understanding ourselves more and how we deal mm. with different situations and how to have the best outcome mm. from it down mm. the line. But onto the next one in terms of motivation. Yeah, I think it's like an inner feeling. Like when you have the bad or the good. Just being able to tell yourself that, you know, okay, pick yourself up. Talking to yourself or being able to find things that will help you bounce back from, yeah. from the bad. So you understand I'm not in the best place right now, but also understanding that this one thing doesn't determine the rest yeah. of your life or it, it, you can really stop it here and you can have a, a better day tomorrow or a better hour yeah. <laughs> or a better minute. No, I like what you said there. I think that's definitely a big change I've made as I've gotten older too in terms of motivation. I told you, bro, it'll be like one past seven. I'm like, I'm going to start 7.15. I'm going to start 7.30. You know, I'm going to start tomorrow. Like just the procrastination. But I feel like, yeah, when you have, when you have things that intrinsically motivate you in terms of, you know, why you're doing certain things, I feel like you're a lot, you're a lot better in stopping or even not stopping. I feel like sometimes too, there are some situations where on some days it's just best for you to just, today's the hell. <laughs> we call again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's definitely an important skill. Like, you know, the ones where like you're, you could be out, the night is going horribly. You say, let me go home. Because mm. I can see that the L is going to keep more applying if I stay outside my house today. No, it's true. Because those, those days actually, like, we're not perfect. And those days actually do happen. They even happen more often than the good days. But if you can just minimize the effect those really bad, terrible days have, then you actually win. Yeah, it's true. Like, in the long term. So I think that's so important. I agree with that. I, even like even with motivation, something I always think about when I think of motivation is to remember, like you were saying just now, is that it's not every day that you're going to wake up and feel like the most motivated and today it's going to be the most motivated day and you're going to be on point for the, some days, you're not going to be really motivated. That's I feel like it's important to have that distinction of motivation. I think of motivation as a thing that gets you started. But at some point, you do have to have the autopilot and say, I'm going to now just continue because I know this is what I want in the long term. You might see reward from what you're doing that might then add to your motivation again that's like, i think the motivation is like i was trying to see how to explain it it's kind of like a booster when like you give something energy it runs out and when it's about to run out something else motivates you and it keeps you going again it's kind of like mm-hmm. that but it's not something that's going to be a continuous every single day you're going to be the most motivated mm-hmm. person and i think understanding that for me has been something that's been really like helpful so would you say that staying motivated has helped you accomplish what you've wanted so far i think it's a combination i think definitely it's definitely contributed to me achieving mm-hmm. what i've wanted so far when i think of motivation i think of like the upbeat happy the youtube speech exactly that's what i think when i think of motivation <laughs> that do you want this as bad as you want to breathe but like there are some days where it's just like, i'm so tired but i'm gonna do it because i know you know this is what's gonna keep me moving closer to achieving the goal that i want i think that's definitely mm-hmm. a big part of, in terms of emotional intelligence and motivation is being able to set goals that mm. work for you in terms of you're able to continue to persevere to work towards achieving those goals. So I think even being able to set goals is a skill because there's some people that you're setting goals, but you're not setting the right goals for yourself. Sometimes it's better to set goals that are achievable rather than just setting a massive goal and then you don't appreciate the progress you're making in the meantime. Mm. I think that's something that really leads to a lot of people becoming demotivated in a lot of the things they're trying mm. to do. It's because the initial goal you've set, you haven't given yourself 
time to appreciate the fact that you've accomplished this because you haven't reached mm-hmm. that end goal yet. So I think that's definitely something to definitely keep in mind. Going to the next one, what do you think about when you hear empathy in terms of emotional intelligence? So I think empathy is just being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, trying your best to understand where that person's coming from. Because it's so easy to just be completely in your own thoughts. But empathy is definitely mm-hmm. seeing someone, being able to read them, being able to hear what they're telling you and, yeah, just understanding. Because <laughs> people don't do that enough. Yeah, they don't. They don't, bro. They're just, they're just listening to respond, not listening to understand. And that's such a big difference. You want to get your point across. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, yeah, you just want to yeah. respond straight away. But, like, bro, like, actually digest what a person is saying. Actually think about it from their point of view. Put yourself in their shoes. If you were like myself, as I was saying, because I know I'm harsher on others than I am to myself. I have to remind myself that maybe you're being too harsh on that person. If you did that, could you understand why they did that? And stuff like that, overall, I feel like I'm improving my empathetic skills as I go. But even in terms of empathy, I feel like a big part of growing up for me has been understanding that we live in such a big world and there's so many people going through so many different situations and this world is so much bigger than just you. I think that's been a very, very big part for me. I do this thing randomly yeah, when I'll just be out, I'll just be looking at people. I'm just thinking, that's that's another person with their whole life, a whole situation going on, and I have no clue what they're going through. It's crazy. <laughs> I thought everyone was supporting, was the supporting cast, and mm. I was the main character. Mm. But when I started realising that, is when I'll have a problem, and maybe I'll Google the problem, trying to come up with a solution or whatever, and I realise that a lot of other people have had the same problem. So my problem yeah. is not unique in any way, shape or form. <laughs> and then I start thinking, oh, wow. So I'm, I'm really <laughs> one in 8 billion or 7 billion of the yeah. population. So, and if you can imagine, quant- like actually imagine that number, you're really small. <laughs> like it's not to say I'm insignificant, but it's to say that I really do share a world with other people who have similar problems to me. And I just need to understand that I need to be able to navigate that and make their lives easier. And hopefully they'll make my lives easier. Yeah. No, for real. There's a quote from Anne Frank that I really like, which is, no one ever becomes poor by giving. So I really like it because I think it kind of, I feel like even when it comes to just being empathetic to other people's struggles and what they're going through, is always important too. That that is actually also a part of when, when we think of motivation. And understand, when you're more willing to be understanding to other people, I feel like that even adds to you being a more motivated person and it helps you achieve what you're trying to achieve as well. Because you know that maybe the days when you're not, re- you're not really feeling personally motivated, you can think about the people around you and that can maybe be what gives you a little energy boost that you need to get your task done mm-hmm. for that day. So yeah, I definitely think improving those empathetic skills, not only do they benefit other people, they benefit you mm-hmm. as well. Just in terms of, I feel like there's not a lot of things in this life that I think make you feel fulfilled or make you feel happy. But I think definitely when you are someone who can put yourself in other people's shoes and try to improve the lives of other people around you, even people that you don't know, I think those are the kind of things that looking back later on, I definitely think will be, would make me feel like I'm a fulfilled person. That is actually one of the only things that actually makes me feel so happy. Doing something for someone mm. else. Like it makes me feel so happy, but I don't do it enough, but it makes me feel so mm. happy. Definitely something to make an like, effort about. And then the final of the five components for emotional intelligence is social skills. So social skills is the ability to build rapport with others and be able to find common ground with anyone that you're speaking to. For me personally, it's actually something that I really do want to improve. 
going forward in my life. I think it's all good ha- having everything that we've spoken about so far. But if you can't actually put into practice when you're speaking to people, it's not really going to benefit you. I think this is like the foundation of emotional intelligence. It's actually being able to, in person, with the people that you're interacting with, to leave an impression on them. I don't know if you've ever done this, bro, but I, sometimes when I have conversations with people, I'll be like, that was such a great conversation. I don't know if you ever had yeah, that Yeah, I have, I have, I have. And yeah, those are the people I, I low-key remember. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just amazing. We just have an amazing, we go back and forth. Um, obviously, there might be pauses here and there, but you know what it is about those conversations? I feel like I really got to know the person, even if it was for five minutes. I felt for some reason I yeah. really got to know that person. So I think that's what differentiates it from other conversations where it's just, you know, small talk and just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How's the weather? <laughs> you don't come right here often. Oh, those are the worst ones. But that has a place, no, because you can't make an impression on everyone. Small talk has such an important place because it allows you to just fill in the gap when necessary. Mm. No, no, it, no. That, that's a, that's a good point that you make. It's actually true because even as I was saying earlier about in terms of social skills, is actually being able to find common ground yeah. with anyone that yeah. you're speaking to is part of the skill. Because like, there are some people, bro, you speak to them and they're so awkward. But like, if you have, there's some people that have that skill where it's like even with those people, I can still find out what mm. you're interested. In. Like you can still draw out mm. a conversation that doesn't just make even if it's built on small talk initially that doesn't just you're not just there thinking why am I here right now so I think that's definitely a key a key aspect of emotional Mm. intelligence and something that personally I'm trying to improve as much as possible because to be a well-rounded and whole person you definitely have to combine the IQ and the EQ of course course. like like I I said in the beginning the world is full of people (laughs) if you can't navigate people you're not going to get far (laughs) it's as simple as that Welcome to the Ace and Joker moment of the show. This is the part of the show where we give an ace moment, i.e. something positive, something hard-hitting that we want other person to go and see. Or we give a joker moment, which is just something funny, something dumb that we just want to laugh about. You know, I'm going to start with a joker moment since you're a joke. <laughs> Do you have a joker moment for us this week? I don't have a joker moment. Well, I guess my joker moment can fit into it. Okay, go on. Yeah. So, um, obviously I was watching this show called Bad Sport. Like a mm. joke. You know, I love my sports documentaries. You know, I watch all of them. <laughs> I, I know. Them. So, um, yeah. So this this show is basically about like corruption in the in the sporting industry. So, okay. yeah. So it goes through different sports and different people, different like cases that's happened. So the first episode is about the basketball situation and. Yeah, yeah. I actually watched it. You know, crazy. Oh, you watched it, yeah. Yeah, so, I watched the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I'm only going to talk about the first episode and the last episode. Mm. Yeah, there's okay. one about Juventus as well, which is quite interesting. Okay. Yeah, the first episode, some guy called Steve Headache. So yeah, so he was basically about point shaving. I think what was funny about the situation was he said only two games. Yeah. Like he he literally said I'm only going. You know what it is because obviously, um, if if you know about NCAA, you know they don't get paid, but. The coaches and the, the schools get paid millions. They get paid millions. Mm. Wait, for the people that don't know, what's NCWA? So NCWA is, um, the league for college basketball. So the players, because they're amateurs, they actually don't get paid, <laughs> but they're, they have to train like professionals and they barely get any time for actual study. So all their mm. time is actually just on sport. So, but obviously they get full scholarship as well. Um, so mm. it's not just <laughs> like they're not getting anything. But yeah, so this guy, he had a gambling problem and then decided to, he got into point shaving. 
yeah, so point shaving is, you know, when you drop a few points just so you can cover the spread. And covering the spread means you say, oh, that they're going to win, a team's going to win by a certain amount of points, and that's how you cover the spread. So, cool. So he decided to partake in that. And what was annoying to me, or what was funny in the situation was the fact that he he said it's only going to happen twice, and then he spent all his money, like, within a week, like, as soon as he got it. And, yeah, and then he put himself in a position where, like, he had to continue doing it. And I think, personally, if he only done it the two times, he would have been all right. It's yeah, but, bro, that's, ne- that's, never, that's never how it goes down. It never works but, out like that. But, yeah, it's like, I know so many people that, that are Steve Heddicks, as <laughs> you understand. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Because the, the core issue there is is the greed, do you understand? Yeah. It's the greed. I get the fact that that's a lot of money. I think he got about 40 mm. right? So it's a lot of money. But mm. if you really thought about it, okay, he was, like, the best player and he was going to go to the NBA. So if you really mm. thought about mm. it, if he just relax himself, I got 40k, I'm going to be in the NBA in about two months, I might as well just mm. chill, you know, and then I get God knows how many, how much uh, millions from yeah, that. Millions. <laughs> yeah, millions. Yeah, millions. So, it was short, it was short term-ish. Yeah, and then he just ruined his, his opportunity. I think that's an ace moment because it's like, understand the greed that, yeah. you know, life can really put you in and just, yeah, if it's, just don't put yourself in positions that you don't need to be putting yourself in. But also, I think it's funny because you just need to recognize just when to stop. <laughs> you understand? Yeah, like when to yeah, stop. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's true, man. I think definitely sometimes when you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, but you're not getting caught or things are going well for you, it's very easy to start feeling, feeling like you're never going to get caught or everything's right. always going to work out for you. And I think there's definitely right. a lot of people in that position. And obviously, mm. it's always good when you're still winning. But at the moment mm. you lose, you lose big. But so mm. I definitely say, I think for a lot of people, it will be very interesting for them to watch that documentary because I think it definitely mm. does show when you're the person that misses out on the opportunity, it's, mm, yeah, it it's it's very unfortunate. He was even crying and I could see why because obviously mm. I'm sure he yeah. knows what he threw away. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. he could have just suffered for the... Like, mm. yeah, he knows. He knows what he threw away and I think that Whenever he remembers that, it's gonna hurt him. <laughs> it's gonna. Nah, it will, man. Like, yeah. it will, I felt sorry for him. I did. I did. I felt sorry. Obviously, it's in America. When you're poor, you're extremely poor. <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure he wasn't in the best financial situation. So now it's unfortunate, but I also do think that sometimes those situations need to happen for other people mm. to learn from them, from other people's mistakes. Because mm. it probably it might even still be happening now, but I think some people will watch that and say, "Oh, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's yeah. not worth it at all." So I think sometimes some people unfortunately have to get caught for mm. the majority to say it's not worth it. But no, nah, yeah. definitely an interesting documentary. I definitely say mm. I would recommend for everyone to watch it. But yeah, for me, I have an ace moment and I have a small joker moment. But my ace moment is like a docu series as well, because obviously you know me, I also love my documentaries. But this one is actually. It's about two programmers, they're German men. It's called um, The Billion Dollar Code. And it's essentially talking about a lawsuit that they take towards Google because they, mm. they're essentially claiming that Google took their idea <laughs> for mm. Google Earth. So obviously, mm. for people that don't know, Google Earth is this um, tool that Google allow you to go around the world to see more specifically different locations and mm. street views and all that stuff. Mm. They are essentially claiming that they initially designed the idea and mm. Google took it from them. And mm. it's really interesting. Like, it starts off a bit slow. It's in German. You, you can watch it in English subtitles. Me, I prefer to watch things like that in the language that they were made in. <laughs> but I know there's some people that don't want to do that. <laughs> they want to watch yeah. it in English. The option is yeah. also there. 
but it's definitely a really good documentary. I think what I really like about it is that I think when you study like a STEM subject, like engineering or physics, all these kind of subjects, you start to feel like because you study those subjects, you can't be a creative person. But the mm. documentary kind of shows how art and computing and programming mm. and all those kind of stuff can be combined together. And you don't have to shoehorn yourself into, because I study maths, it means mm. that I, I can't be an artist. So mm. I really like how the com- how they combine the two programmers. So obviously one's an art major, one's like a programmer, and they come together to make their idea. And it's just really cool how they actually go about doing that and the whole process. And it's a really interesting documentary. I definitely say anyone who's interested in that kind of thing, I say they should mm. definitely check it out. Like it's, it's like a oh, four part series. Yeah, mm. no, nah, it's really cool. Definitely say mm. people should um, check it out. And then, yeah. And then for my Joker moment, it's just like mm. something small that I saw online this week. I don't know if you saw this, bro. I think a photographer wasn't fed at a wedding and then mm. he deleted all the pictures. Oh, yeah, I, I was laughing when I saw that. I said, mm. wow. Imagine losing all your wedding pictures because you didn't want to feed the photographer. But it was funny at the same time because he said he wasn't having it. He said, what? <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure maybe he asks, is there food? Is there going to yeah. be food there? Yeah. And he probably yeah, said, yeah. yeah, don't worry. There's more than enough. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> there's, we got you. <laughs> and then he got there and there's no food. And you still want me to take pictures on an empty stomach? <laughs> Bro. <I'm> <laughs> you said that. Nah. <laughs> this is yeah. so, no, crazy. <laughs> no, that's so yeah, nah, it was a funny mm. situation, but yeah, it's mm. dumb. That's my joker moment. Mm-hmm. But yeah. What did you think about the um the heavyweight fight? Oh, yeah. Fury's just clear. I love AJ, mm. but Fury's clear, man. Oh, yeah. Nah, yeah. Fury's clear, man. Well, respect to Wilder, though, because he took mm. some... I thought he was going to get out of there a lot mm. earlier. Like, yeah. he took some serious damage. And yeah, he did He did mm-hmm. well. I give him credit. He still looked mm-hmm. dangerous. Though sometimes he caught Fury, I said, oh... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but overall, the conclusion mm. is there. Fury's clear. Wilder mm. respect him as well. Mm. And yeah, I don't know what happens next because I guess there's no point in fighting again. So Fury is mm. just, he's clear now. He might as well go yeah. beat Usyk and just become yeah. on his speed and retire. Like yeah. he actually might as well just do that next. Just to complete <laughs> everything. But yeah, it was definitely a good fight. Obviously, I love AJ, but yeah, you know. No. <laughs> yeah, but you never know. You never know then. But with AJ, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what he does next, right? Like, yeah. if he fights Yusuke again, mm. it's going to be interesting. <laughs> so, but if he fights yeah, and we'll loses... See. Yeah, then... then. But mm. like, definitely, hopefully, what well, I'm Joshua comes back strong. Mm. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fury's looking like a real problem. Hey, what's Wilder going to do now? I don't know. That's what, He might have to go <laughs> and see what Joshua or Yusuke are saying. Oh, or maybe okay. even he might have to maybe try even try fight what's his name White I want to see that fight as well I'm not gonna lie oh, okay, White okay. does a lot of talking I want to see if he can actually beat him oh so, okay he's about yeah my money will be on Wilder seriously because mm, mm, mm. wait I think he'll be close oh, okay aren't Joshua and, and uh, Wilder the same kind of fighters they are but I think Joshua's slightly better than Wilder would you say oh so you say Joshua's more skilled I say he's more skilled but Wilder's more oh, okay. dangerous I think I think Joshua for Wilder hasn't had that punch the way Wilder oh, okay. does. Like, well, I think mean, oh, even okay. from early, Joshua was more of like a two, three, then you go to sleep. Whereas Wilder's mm. always been that one hit KO. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I think that's the biggest difference. I think technically, I definitely say that Joshua's hobby is better than Wilder. Mm. But, so, it'll be, it'll be quite close, but I think it's just like a, I don't know if, if Wilder hits him, I don't know. But if you can avoid getting hit, then I think he'd win. But if he gets hit, mm. then I don't know. It could be long. Mm. But it'll be interesting. <laughs> That'll definitely be an interesting fight. Mm, so, yeah, that might be what's next. We'll see. Yeah, no, yeah. If you're still here, thank you for listening to this episode of the Ace and Joker podcast.